Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledyard from PewterReport.com. We have a very special guest on the show today. I am so excited to talk Bucks minicamp practice with Tom Krasnicki. It's going to be a blast today from WDAE, uh, the morning show host himself. We are excited to have him, excited to flip that coin and kind of maybe on the other side of, of talking to Tom. And uh, we'll get all that underway here shortly. We have lots to talk about from today's practice over at One Buck Place. Uh, we've got to talk about Joe Tryon starting to flash a little bit. We're starting to see something. Obviously, Blaine Gabbert and Kyle Trask going head to head for that number two job. Uh, we'll talk about that a good bit as well. Some Definite observations from the two of them today. Some good, some bad. Scott would like to, you to know in his that he can't speak, but he would like to know that his observations about Blaine Gabber were all positive, that he's not seen anything negative from Blaine at this point in time. But we have more reality to shed on you than Scott would like to, us to tell you probably at this point in time. And we'll do that in a second. It's all brought to you by our good friends over at Celsius. You've heard me talk about the drink for forever. Zero sugar, healthy energy, accelerates metabolism, unbelievable variety of flavors. The sparkling watermelon, easily a favorite here in the Ledger household. Uh, we love that one. Great energy boost, especially in the morning without the crash that you're getting from other energy drinks. That's my favorite part about Celsius. I go back to it over and over again. You can get that energy boost in the mornings and you don't get the crash uh, that, you do, that you get uh, from other energy drinks. Plus the flavors, they taste so good. But another thing that tastes good, we got to let you know about is these fast energy bars, these fast protein bars. I actually bit into one and kind of opened it up to show you actually what it looks like. But this is the this is the cookies and cream fast white chocolate cookies and cream. There's the wrapper. They have a couple flavors, including the salted caramel peanut crunch. Unbelievable stuff uh, from the fast protein. Uh, I mean, we what we love about it the 20 grams of protein that you're just getting straight up. Uh, you live that active lifestyle. Fast is perfect for you. Um, the the flavors are again the taste. It's always taste, taste, taste. We keep coming back to is really really outstanding as well. So check out these fast protein bars if you're looking for a little bit of extra protein in your life. They have been a game changer for my wife and I actually over the past several weeks. Uh, we've really enjoyed getting into those. So the drinks, the fast protein bars is a good time to be affiliated with and knowing our friends over at Celsius for sure. All right, let's bring Tom in here. Tom, how are you, man? Good to see you. John, great to see you. And it was great to finally meet you over at Buccaneer Minicamp today. I mean, we've had, I don't know, countless phone <laughs> conversations. You've been on our show like, I don't know, about 200 times. But, you know, today was my first opportunity to meet you face to face. So I want to say it was an honor. Oh, I thank you. I appreciate it. It was an honor for me as well. It's been fun. I got to meet Ronnie and Zach over at the Super Bowl uh, when they were at the convention center there. And so I got to meet them, but I didn't get to meet you until today. Yeah, down at Bucks practice where we had plenty of observations to take in. But before we get into today's specifics, I am so curious. I love hearing about kind of what happens in these different media markets and things like that. And I am just so curious to hear your observations. You've been in this Tampa Bay area for a while now. You've covered these teams and been talking about these teams. And you have a time right now where it's just a very rare time in, in a sports in any city, really. But to have the Rays 
be where they're at, going to the World Series last year, winning their division right now, looking like they are another going to be another contender this season. The Lightning obviously been a contender for a while in the hockey arena, but winning the Stanley Cup Finals, finally getting over the hip up and winning the Stanley Cup Finals last year. And then obviously the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have kind of toiled in obscurity, but as you and I were talking about today, they are the biggest sport probably in this area, is that Bucks football. Now they're at the top of the mountain as Super Bowl champs with a legitimate chance to, to, to repeat maybe for the next two years and at fielding one of the best rosters in the league. I mean, are you kind of feel like you're in like the apex? This is the best that it can be right now in the sporting industry. I don't think there's any question about it. You and I were talking over at camp today. You know, when the pandemic first came down last March, March of 2020, there were no sports happening. But right. the Buccaneers honestly saved us over at DAE because they signed Tom Brady. So that was the talk of Tampa really from the moment he signed on March the 17th of 2020. That carried us through March and then April. And then, of course, the draft took place. And the NFL and the Bucs really helped us along until those games got started, you know, in June and July with baseball and, you know, a truncated 60-game season. And the Lightning were up in the bubble, of course. And they found a way to win a Stanley Cup. And the Rays went 40-20, and 20, made this miraculous ride to the World Series, only lose to the Dodgers in six games, unfortunately. So it's been a great ride, and we've seen, you know, a huge uh, exponential growth in our show in terms of ratings and digital numbers, obviously. We've seen that with you guys as well as pewterreport.com, so we certainly appreciate you guys and your partnership with us. So it's been a great ride, and this year, as you mentioned, you know, the Lightning are in the Stanley Cup semifinals, so... They're obviously the odds-on favorite to win it all yet again. Yeah. The Buccaneers right. are the odds-on favorite. I don't care what anyone says in terms of the Kansas City Chiefs and what they've done, and I know they've reconstructed their offensive line. I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point over the next hour. But the Bucs are the favorites to go back and win the Super Bowls. And as you know, John, that's really difficult to do because everything has to fall into place. You have to stay injury-free. And, you know, your big-time players, including Tom Brady, of course, A, number one, he's got to stay upright as well. So a, a very exciting time here in Tampa Bay. Oh, absolutely. And you guys have done a great job covering, obviously, you know, the stuff that goes on over WD and who works a lot from home. I'm not always in the car, but when I am in the car, anytime I'm driving around or you know, able to basically just free my ears up from doing something related to this field, I'm always trying to tune in and see what you guys are talking about, even to get a better feel for the other sports in the area. You know, I want to get a better feel. Somebody coming from the Pittsburgh area, I want to get a better feel. I don't follow baseball that closely, so getting a better feel for what's going on with the Rays. And even though I follow hockey closely, it's been great to be here with people who watch all 82 games of, or 52 or whatever it was this season of a hockey season and, and can be able to tell you, oh, yeah, this hockey player is great at this or that. And that's one of the cool things I think we share about local coverage, right? We can we know these national people can come out and some of them come to practice and they do stuff really well. They pick a they pick a lane or a player and they focus on them and they write a great feature. And that kind of stuff is great. But if you want to know what's going on with the team, there's just no replacement for people who are kind of plugged into it every single day with one team. I'm sure you found that uh, to be your experience as well, being in this local area. It, it's a dream position to be in, John, because yeah. when you talk about the Lightning, ever since Jeffrey Vinning bought that team, he has turned Tampa into a hockey town, something I don't think anyone thought was possible. And I was at game four last Saturday afternoon. That second period where there were eight goals scored, I've never seen anything like it. And the electricity in the crowd before, during, yeah. after the game, on the plaza, in the arena, 
in and around downtown Tampa was nothing short of spectacular. And this has awesome. become a really, really cool sports environment to be in. It has, and I don't think Tampa Bay's thought of that the way that it should be. I mean, it definitely should be, and it, I don't think that it always is. And so it's pretty cool to see that happening in this area, obviously. And I think it's the boat parade made it obvious to the rest of the country. I think that was when it was like, oh, wow, like to the rest of the country where they realized this is a this is legit. Like this place really cares about sports, and they're really excited. And I think that's happened with the Lightning and with the with the Bucks now at this point. So you go into this offseason, obviously, after the year, after the year the Bucks have, and they win the Super Bowl. When you go into this offseason and you know you're thinking probably as somebody who covers the team, all right, there's no way they bring everybody back. So how are we gonna be able to navigate this? Then obviously, as everybody starts to come back to the point where it gets like humorous, like Steve McClendon's coming back. Like some of these guys are like, at least he's gonna retire. Nope, even he's back, you know. So there's just like no turnover at all from the year before. So you settle in to cover this team again, looking at the league wide, and you already kind of talked about it a little bit. The Bucs really are the favorites again, right? I mean, like at least, at least, even if people want to talk about the Chiefs, at least in the NFC, the Bucs are clearly, right, especially if we see what happens with Aaron Rodgers, but, I mean, with him being a minicamp, hold out, and, and we know that Rodgers, if there's one thing he does really well, two things, is play quarterback and hold grudges. So I don't know that, <laughs> that second thing is going to go away. So it just looks like not only are the Bucs kind of set up to dominate right now, but the rest of the league seems to have kind of, all right, this is, yeah, we're not quite as strong as we typically are, especially in the NFC. I was very surprised, John, that they brought everybody back. And it was just a testament to Jason Light and the job he's done with Mike Greenberg and everybody else in that front office in order to kind of kick money down the road. And they could, they could afford to do so because, as you mentioned many times on our show, they've got lots of salary cap space mm -hmm. and now expiring contracts that are coming off the books after this year going into 2022 and then 2023 where they'll be able to have some room to play with in order to kind of backload some deals so uh, the guy Leonard Fournette I thought for sure he was going to go somewhere else and take a little <laughs> bit more money and they brought him back too so yeah just an unbelievable job and Antonio Brown another guy I didn't think mm -hmm. he was going to come back as well so those are the two guys that really surprised me in Fournette and A.B in terms of the Buccaneers bringing him back. But, hey, as we found out, as you know, what Tom Brady wants, Tom Brady gets. That's right. That's That's been the case uh, since he got there. And I think even though I bet he hasn't, like, pushed you know that hard for it in terms of being kind of an overbearing force in, in those moves, I still think he's probably expressed himself and the team has probably said, you know what, Brady hasn't been wrong many times in his career. So maybe we'll try this route of listening to what he says and see how it goes. And obviously so far it's gone pretty well. You talk about all the pieces that they bring back. So you then turn your attention to the draft and you get a guy like Joe Tryon who was out on the field today practicing, who's been out on the field the last two days making his Bucks debut yesterday on Tuesday and then uh, today on Wednesday kind of following that up. And looking better and better, really. I mean, it's we said this when we were down there, it, Tom. It is hard to actually draw like really strong conclusions. And one thing I always say, we never want to be on this podcast. We never want to lead people to a conclusion that really isn't built on a lot of sound evidence at this point. We're not out here saying, oh, Joe Tryon looks like he's an absolute hit as a first rounder or they got a steal at 32. We don't know that yet. Well, we won't learn that. We'll start to learn it at training camp. We'll really learn it somewhat in preseason, but we'll really learn it once the, the regular season gets underway and we get a chance to see him in live action. But based on seeing a few reps of him, seeing him drop, seeing him rush a little bit, albeit without pads on, what are your thoughts on what you've seen from Joe Tryon so far? John, I like him. And you know what? On our show for weeks when we were previewing the draft, he was the one guy that I was really lobbying for on the air 
for the Buccaneers to draft because it's a position where you can never have too many pass rushers or edge defenders in Todd Bowles' defense. They re-signed Shaq Barrett. He got a handsome contract. Jason Pierre-Paul is 32, coming off offseason knee surgery, and that knee mm. gave him problems down the stretch to where Bruce Aarons gave him some days off, and justifiably so. By the way, that goes a long way to veterans in that locker room where veterans yep. are given some days off, some maintenance days to kind of heal up their bodies a little bit, and that will go a long way. The veterans love that sort of thing, and Bruce, of course, did it with the OTAs this offseason. So I thought that was a position that the Buccaneers needed to address, and Joe Tryon, even though he – took last year off you go back and I know you watched plenty of tape on him from the year prior big athletic guy he mm -hmm. moves very fluidly when I saw him today I'm like damn man this guy looks yeah. the part at 6'5 250 255 moves around really well he's not a stiff right he is really fluid in terms of his movement a quick twitch type of guy rushing the passer he's got a passion for the game he's a tough defender along the edge mm -hmm. and he's going to play a lot of special teams and you know, when I looked at him and I was thinking out there today, I'm like, this guy reminds me of somebody. And it didn't click to me until I got home. And then I was kind of fumbling around on the Internet. And I looked at him, John, and he reminds me of Peter Bowler, who played nine huh. years in this league, yeah. went to four Pro Bowls, led the league in sacks one of those years, really good player, angular player, 6'4", 6'5", 255, a really good pass rusher off the edge and did some of the other things as well off the edge that you like, certainly setting the edge in the running game. So I look at him and I see a lot of Peter, Peter Bowler, believe it or not. Hmm. Well, yeah, I definitely remember Peter Bowler. I mean, I was a youngster when he was playing, but I remember him. He was with that Ray Lewis and who else was out on that linebacking course? Somebody else. I mean, they had that defense was, in general was just dominant. Uh, I remember that, but they were an impressive unit. And I remember Peter Bowler for sure. And that is a pretty good comparison because you see that, ability to play in space a little bit when he drops. I mean, we weren't sure about that at, at Washington. I thought one of his struggles, and again, we haven't been since 2019 since we've seen him on the field. I thought one of his struggles was at times there was like wasted movement and, and things like that. Like he wasn't quite as fluid as he, as he athletically could be. I think a lot of it was just kind of hesitancy with his movements or over aggressiveness, but he really has not shown any of that so far, which encourages me. We'll see what it looks like when he gets into the game settings and the bullets are flying and the pads are on. Um, if some of those habits come back, but so far, I think he's shown a pretty good get off uh, today. One of the more encouraging reps that I saw kind of forklift with Brad Seaton into the back into the quarterback and one inside. Uh, so that was good. Again, no pads on. So I don't know how hard Seaton's going. Don't want to throw him under the bus, but yeah. I think it's definitely a good indication that Tryon's trying to convert speed to power and be a bull rusher and be physically dominant, which again, when you're a rookie, one of the first things what we wanted to see from Tristan Wirfs when he faced Cam Jordan, we said, can this guy physically, because Cam Jordan's nasty, mean, aggressive, physical, hands, can he physically hang with that guy? Not athletically, we knew that with Wirfs. We knew technically he would get there, but physically, like, does he match that level of intensity? That, to me, has been something Tryon hasn't had any issue with so far. Well, you just hit on something, and you and I talked about this at camp today. Now, it looks good now, obviously, and he looks the part, but when training camp starts, like yeah. you, I can't wait until the pads come on and see what kind of player he looks like, obviously going into the grind of training camp and, of course, three preseason games. He's going to get a lot of playing time. I'm very much looking forward to seeing him in preseason action as well.
Yeah, me too. It's going to be a blast to watch this year's preseason because I think the Bucs have a handful of players, Tom, that aren't going to play like at all. I bet guys like McClendon and Sue and JPP, I mean, you're probably not going to see hardly any of them. So you'll probably see a lot of Khalil Davis. You'll probably see a lot of Joe Tryon. You're saying with the receivers, how much are Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown going to need to play when you've got a receiver room that's eight or nine guys deep and you've got to learn about these guys, you know? So I think you'll see a ton of Jalen Darden. I think you're going to see a ton of Tyler Johnson. Um, uh, guys that honestly we probably won't see a ton of on offense at least during the regular season unless there's injury so great opportunity to kind of be able to evaluate them and get excited about them uh, before we get into the regular season uh, and and yeah Tryon is definitely kind of at the top of that list I think for sure so that's that's good stuff on him the other the other battles that were happening today Tom were really there were a lot on the offensive side of the ball mm-hmm. where it was it's been very interesting to see Blaine Gabbert because I watched Blaine Gabbert when he was a younger quarterback, right? Which really he has barely played in NFL games since those days. I mean, he just hasn't here basically. I remember watching him then and just thinking this guy isn't going to even last in the league. Like that's just how much he struggled. And his situation was horrible too, but it all contributes. You get five or six years in, doesn't really matter if it's your flaws or the, the changing of coordinators. At that point, you're probably broken and, and, and no one's going to be able to fix you. Well, what's been interesting to see now over the last couple, I mean, he comes to the box, he hurts his shoulder, he doesn't play at all. You know, we you, most people don't even get to see him practice at that point in time. Obviously, I wasn't even covering the team yet. Then you get into this past year, and he's back out there, but when no preseason games, no you know, no OTs, no mini camp, training camp, we're not physically there. We can't, we don't lay eyes on it. There's not much that we're seeing uh, as much uh, as in normal years. So there's just like. We really didn't know much about Blaine Gabbard. Even going to the Lions game, you know, the Lions game, he comes out and he plays. And if you count the Lions, what was left of them as an opponent at that point in time, yeah, he looked pretty good, did some good things. But there's still like kind of this is feels like the first offseason, even though he's been here for a couple of years now, that we're really getting to know what Blaine Gabbard is. And I just am wondering what you've seen from him. Obviously, you've seen Bruce Arians say he's the most underrated player in the league, which might be a little bit much, but. That's his opinion, and and you see Jason Light's thoughts on him too, but just wondering what you've seen from him uh, watching him out of practice. Bruce Arians loves him, and he loves him because he's a veteran guy who knows the offense, and I was watching him out there today, and he's got really good command of what's going on out there, which is a really good sign. Now, if Tom Brady were to go down, the Buccaneers would be screwed. I mean, you can say that about (laughs) just about any team that has a big-time quarterback in this league. If that guy goes down for an extended period of time, you know, you're up the creek without a paddle. But at the mm-hmm. same time, at least you have a competent veteran, a guy who knows the system with great weapons around him. So if he has to play for whatever reason and the Buccaneers are praying and hoping, knock on wood, that that's never going to happen, then he might be able to run this offense and run it somewhat effectively. Now, with that being said, there's a reason why they drafted Kyle Trask at the end of round two because they see him as the heir apparent. So I know what Bruce said about him. I know what Jason said about Blaine Gabbard, I think they see Kyle Trask as, you know, one of those guys who could maybe in two years from now, and the Buccaneers hope it's two or three years from now, that he might be able to be the guy that takes the baton or has the torch passed to him by Tom Brady. It's fascinating because of exactly what you said. It's ideally, as much as they've praised Blaine Gabbard, and I wrote this today in my practice report, ideally Blaine Gabbard would never play in a regular season game for the Bucs. Like that's not only short-term, obviously that's Brady, but long-term they want it to be Trask to be that guy. So they would root for and hope I'm sure, you know, that that Trask eventually beats him out for that spot. 
It doesn't mean they don't like him. It just means that it's funny for as much as they like him. There's really no like there's no future plans of playing Gabbert right now. Sure, will he be a factor maybe someday to replace Brady? We'll see. We don't even know when Brady's going to retire. Gabbert's going to be pretty old himself uh, by that point in time. The big thing that I keep, can't get away from with Gabbard that I hope Trask is able to kind of figure out for himself is the inconsistencies, right? Like it just for and we saw this in the Lions game too. Even you know forever for the good throws that were out there, there's a throw you know a couple yards behind his guy or late or or bad decision, and we saw that today a little bit. Uh, there were a couple questionable throws. Jamel Dean dropped two picks uh, that he should have had off of off of Blaine Gabbard. On the flip side of things, you see Cal Trask on the other field, and he is struggling a little bit today there was a dropped interception by a couple different guys today i think um he also had some nice throws in the red zone period uh, you've obviously gotten to see a lot of cal trask over the years you guys talk gators football and you saw him saw him at florida and saw some of what he was doing there were you happy when the bucks picked him and what do you think his ceiling can be as a second round quarterback um i didn't have a problem with it at the end of the second round obviously and the buccaneers saw something in him and bruce arians was really praising him to the point where mentally he feels like he's ready to play in this league. And here's a guy who never started in high school. He earned every rep that he got in Gainesville, waited patiently to become the starting quarterback. When he got that opportunity, he put up some really big numbers against some very good SEC defenses. I mean, he carved up Alabama for the most part last year. So I think the Bucks like him. I don't know how high his ceiling is at this point, but He's a guy, obviously, that may not be able to carry a team on his back, but if you surround him with the kind of talent like, say, the Bucks have at mm-hmm. wide receiver and tight end, running back a really good offensive line, then I think the, the table will be set for him to be a pretty successful quarterback in this league. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, they definitely hope he can get there. Today, there was some good. I don't want to make it sound like it was all bad. There were some bad. It's just consistency stacking. You know, For a rookie, that's completely normal. I don't get concerned about that. I actually thought he made one throw, I noticed, just kind of watching him peripherally. Through. He kind of gunned the ball into a curl route about 15, 20 yards down the field without moving his feet. Uh, and I didn't know that he had that kind of an arm, at least on that throw, he, it really kind of things kind of worked out for him. And so it was interesting. I don't know if that process is repeatable for him, but it was an interesting throw that I had not seen that happen. The pocket got kind of muddy and he kind of made like an all arm throw. It was a pretty good toss. So we'll see how his development goes, but yeah, today was some downs, some ups. I mean, that's going to be the process with Trask probably, uh, especially throughout the preseason as a rookie. There's a lot in this offense. They don't shy away from putting a lot on the quarterback's shoulders. They ask high degree of difficulty throws, and I think it's one of the reasons they like Gabbert. Uh, as much as Gabbert might be up and down and inconsistent at times, and he could he could throw an interception or, or miss a wide open receiver, he doesn't physically limit anything that they like to do in their offense. He is the arm to make every throw. He's aggressive to make every throw, and that's the kind of quarterback that Bruce Aarons really, really likes, I think. So that's what Trask kind of has to get to, right? Like from a he has to get that swagger. It's crazy that Gabbard has it because he hasn't had this crazy successful career, but he really kind of has that swagger about him. Speaking of quarterbacks, Tony Saylor, we're, we're getting questions in here, and I'll get to some of these now. Tony Saylor says, can Rodgers beat the Saints in week one, then get traded? <laughs> what do you think is going to happen with this Rodgers saga? I mean, this is crazy. It really is. And I, I talked about this one scenario, John, this morning. I think the Packers – should sit tight. And the reason why is if Aaron Rodgers doesn't have any intention of playing for him, 
then the only thing they can do at this point is obviously get Jordan Love ready to play. And look, with Aaron Rodgers, Packers are twelve and five team. Yeah. Without him, there are five and twelve team. You just reverse those numbers. I think you would probably agree. Yep. So if he has no intention of playing for him, I would sit tight, let him sit out, and then you know once preseason games start in August, if a quarterback goes down for a team that thinks they're a contender, then all of a sudden they're calling up the Packers mm. and they're offering the farm maybe four first-round picks and maybe more player compensation on top of that. And then the Packers would obviously be in a position of leverage to make some business and you know, get the most for Aaron Rodgers and say goodbye and good luck. We're sending you to wherever, you know, they might send him to, you know, preferably right. for them to an AFC team. But, you know, injuries happen in training camp. Injuries happen during the preseason. Mm -hmm. So if a quarterback goes down somewhere, that could be an interesting situation that uh, could come up in August sometime. That is, man, I can't remember if a starting quarterback, I'm sure there's, it's happened, but has a starting quarterback been moved by like in the season? by the trade deadline where they'd have to go somewhere, learn a new offense, but that acquiring team was confident enough that they could do it to help them this season. Like I think of a team like the Saints, for example. Let's say they get rolling and they're they're into the season and they're, you know, five and two or something. But Jameis is just, I mean, they're pulling up Jameis left and right. Like they've got this loaded roster, but he's he's putting them in bad situations left and right. They've managed to squeak out some wins. They know they can be you know, they could maybe win a Super Bowl if they got Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, I have no idea how they do it cap wise, but I'm just throwing out a hypothetical. And they decide they want to trade for him in the season. He'd have to come in and learn Sean Payton's offense basically on the fly, at, at the, not at any position either. Not like Antonio Brown joining the Bucs, like this is quarterback. That adds a wrinkle into the scenario you're presenting a little bit that would make it probably, uh, maybe we haven't seen it before. I can't think of it. I, maybe if somebody in the chat thinks of it, let me know. But it would be a crazy scenario for him trying to hit the ground running in a new scenario midseason, learning an offense while still being basically, for that compensation, expected to go win a Super Bowl for that team that year. I still think Denver's the team because there they were picking at the back end. They had a top 10 pick, and there were a couple of quarterbacks on the board, and they bypassed them. Yeah. So Patrick Sertan, who's a tremendous player, is going to be a tremendous player from day one. But mm -hmm. th that was a tip-off to me, John, that they could have taken one of those quarterbacks, and they didn't because right. Justin Fields was on the board. Yep. Mac Jones was on the board right at the same time, and yep. they didn't take any of those guys. Right. Yeah, it is interesting. That seems like they almost had an idea. And today, I don't know if you saw, but Aqib Tlaib and uh, Kareem Jackson, the safety for the Broncos, um, they were talking on Aqib Tlaib's show, and – Kareem Jackson was saying Deshaun Watson wants to come here. This is what he's told me. You know, we're friends. Obviously, they both played in the Texans together. And he's saying Deshaun Watson wants to come here. Deshaun Watson, this is where he wants to be. He's been texting me all throughout the offseason. And, and, you know, maybe that happens. I know Denver's obviously shown some interest at one point. But right now, Deshaun Watson's got bigger problems to worry about uh, than football. And so we'll see kind of what how that all materializes. But, yeah, that there yeah, are scenarios in front of Denver right there's now. There's another guy, Deshaun Watson. What's going to happen with that guy? Is he going to yep. get put on the exempt list? It sounds like the Texans. I mean, the very first pick they had in the draft, what did they do? They right. took a quarterback. So I think they're preparing for life without Deshaun Watson. This is crazy. It really uh, is. It's nuts. And we haven't even talked about the Russell Wilson stuff. That's just totally on the back burner right now. But, it, again, it, it feels like, especially in the, if you just look at the NFC side of things, with Wilson and Rodgers' situations this offseason and where those franchises seem to be headed, potentially maybe away from those guys, maybe not this year with Wilson, but there's definitely talk that, you know, in the near future that he could be somewhere else. Um, and, and 
just feels like, again, it's kind of set up for the, but you need this, right? Football is a game of Brady said it today. Brady said, we like to think it's all the skill and, and one team just prepared harder than the other, wanted it more. But in reality, games come down to one or two things that happen. And that's how games swing. They could swing 14 points on a couple plays like that. They could go another way if you play it again. And so, yeah, I think that that's how these things swing a lot of the time. And you need some of that stuff to come together around you. I think about teams in Pittsburgh that I watched for years and years and years, some loaded, awesome teams just couldn't get past New England. They might've been the second best team in the league. And then when they were the best team in the league, they lost to Blake Bortles in Jacksonville in a game <laughs> that had 10 things that you couldn't make up like happening again. And that's football sometimes. And it just feels like kind of the tea leaves have come together a little bit for the Bucs the way the NFC looks right now. You know, there, there's one scenario that just popped into my head, and it's kind of a different circumstance. But remember back in 2008 with Brett Favre? Yeah. When he was traded that summer, and John Gruden, who was the coach at the time, I remember this because I was here at the time, he thought he had a deal for Brett Favre, who all of a sudden is going to the New York Jets that summer. So it's – it's I don't know. if It's not the – quite the same as what we're seeing right. right now with Aaron Rodgers and then to kind of a lesser extent to Sean Watson. But, I mean, you have two superstar quarterbacks who may get moved at some point, maybe in the next, I don't know, six to eight weeks. Who knows? Right. Oh, you definitely could. I mean, and it it adds a level of intrigue. Hopefully it'll add a level of intrigue to the, the, the rest of this summer, really, until training camps gets underway. But if nothing's rectified by training camp, I mean, it's going to carry over. And, and you people say distractions. I don't know how much of that's true or not. Um, but it's definitely going to be something for us to to be able to monitor, you know, this thing because there's a lot going on, a lot of moving pieces, and some of them could uh, impact the Bucks for sure. Uh, let's keep rolling and hear through some of these questions. Uh, Adolfo wants to know, T. Crass, who would you say starts at RB one if you had <laughs> to guess today? <laughs> now, John, you know that's a fantasy football question right it there. It is. So when we were out there, we saw Leonard Fournette line up with the ones, mm -hmm. and it looks like he probably would be the starter by mm -hmm. label with Ronald Jones maybe being the changeup guy and then Giovanni Bernard being the third down back. Mm -hmm. I think that's how they're going to approach it and split it up. Leonard Fournette, obviously, a great postseason from a year ago, mm -hmm. and Ronald Jones is the changeup guy with Giovanni Bernard. So I don't know if that answers Adolfo's question because he's looking for some fantasy intel here. <laughs> that's what that looks like <laughs> no i know and it's you get to this scenario too where they're in the red zone and you're in long and late situations or third down situations a lot well, and well from a red zone perspective the goal line it's got to be Fournette, and he yeah. probably could have he should have had a multi-touchdown game against kansas city what he scored twice twice three yes fourth and one they give it to ronald jones remember that so yep. I thought Leonard Fournette should have been in the game. It could have been a three-touchdown game against Kansas City. So I think he's the goal line back if that helps Adolfo and anyone else playing fantasy. Right. And then you have Giovanni Bernard as what you would assume would be a lot of the receiving role probably. Although I will say you know, Bruce Aarons was right today Bruce, uh, that Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones have caught the ball better, and they've had extensive work on it every practice. Don't know what practices in the past have looked like. But I'd say both of those guys have had lots of opportunities to catch the football the last couple of days, and they've done it pretty well. So we'll see how that if that continues throughout the preseason. It is very difficult fantasy-wise to figure out how this is going to go. I did laugh a little bit to myself the first day. I know we're not necessarily talking supposed to talk about ones and twos, but I think it's kind of pointless at this point. This isn't really meaningful, but like the first day of OTA or of minicamp, 
Leonard Fournette took the first snap in the first team <laughs> period. And then today in the run period, Ronald Jones took the first snap. And obviously it's meaningless and most people probably didn't even notice. And like you said, when they went to team past Leonard was it might have been in there first. And so there was, but I was like, oh my goodness. Here goes Bruce Arians. When he was on our podcast, I said it to him, Tom. I said, you know, fantasy owners just hate you, right? Like because yeah. of all, I mean, just <laughs> running backs year after year, you never quite know what's happening. But that's even been the situation in Tampa Bay before Arians, right? It's when you've looked at running backs for this team, really since Doug Martin was having those kind of big years, it's been mostly a committee approach without a clear picture as to who the top guy was going into the season. And that's how a lot of the teams run it. Unless you have just an absolute stud like a Derrick Henry type, um, a lot of these teams are going to this running back by committee to keep guys fresh. And I think the Buccaneers are going to do the same thing. But if I had to guess, Adolfo and anybody else out there, if there's a back to own in fantasy, I would probably bet on Leonard Fournette, but that's always subject to change. Right. And it's, yeah, especially because Giovanni Bernard is so clearly the best receiver and best pass protector of the group. And you wonder with an, with an offensive guy that's as pass heavy as Arians. And remember, Jason Light's really only hired, you know, pass first offensive guys as head coaches. I mean, Dirk Cutter and, and then um, Bruce Arians, that's been kind of his MO is, is he wants pass first guys. So there's a, there's a philosophy in that building around throwing the football in, when you have a guy that can help the pass game as much as Geo, it becomes tempting to kind of keep him out there all the time. But we'll see lots of talent in that backfield for sure. Uh, Dolfo also wants to say Carlton Davis may be that important on defense. If we lose Davis, we don't win again. <laughs> we hope all these guys stay healthy. I said this after the year, Tom, and I want your opinion after I say my piece here. But I think Carlton Davis was the most valuable i'm not saying he was the best but i think he was the most valuable defensive player for the bucks last season because behind him sean murphy bunting and jamel dean struggled so much in the regular season and they did get it together for the playoffs and hats off to him that they played as well as they did especially sean murphy bunting but i felt like if they had to go any extended period of time without carlton davis last season it felt like the secondary was in really big trouble without him because he's that kind of a corner He's very good. And when you saw some of the free agent contracts that were doled out this offseason, I mean, you saw what Griffin got from Jacksonville. I'm sure Carlton Davis is looking at that thinking, okay, I'm in a contract year. Yeah. I have a chance to eclipse those numbers. So he's got a great opportunity in front of him in his contract year to really put forth a really good season and get paid handsomely after the season. Now, I think he's extremely valuable. I'm with you on that. But if I were to say, you know, obviously I'm, we had this conversation, I think, last week on the show. Tom Brady, obviously, the most valuable Buccaneer, I think, hands down. Everyone yeah. would agree. And then the next guy, that's where it's up for debate because Carlton Davis belongs in that conversation. Mm -hmm. John, I happen to think that Vita Vea is so very valuable, and we saw how valuable mm -hmm. he was once he got on the field in the NFC Championship game and took that defense to another level because he's occupying blockers, and all of a sudden Devin yeah. White is just running around with his hair on fire, just slamming people. Right. Same thing Levante David. He just opens things up for everybody else on each level of the defense. And I think, to me, and I think Carlton Davis is really valuable, for, but for me, I think Vita Vea might be the next valuable mm. guy, most valuable guy for this Bucks team. That's a great point. He is very valuable because he's really the only interior guy that's a consistent dominant presence on every down, especially passing downs. I mean, I wouldn't even say he's reached his peak as a pass rusher, but physically you have to game plan for manpower to be able to handle what Vea puts on the table. Well, that's that's just, it's hard to do. It's really hard to do. Um, Nathan says, hi, keep up the great work. Appreciate you, Nathan. Appreciate you always tuning in. 
uh, to the show and checking in. Um, so, so Greg wants to know this. Did Brady have a weekly radio show in Boston? And do you think WDE will have a Brady <laughs> weekly show? It's funny because I think he did have he did did. He a weekly. Yeah, I, I thought so. Well, I got a story for you, John. Are you ready? Okay, to- story time. Let's do it. So, and, th- and this is this might be the first time I've, you know, leaked this one out of the bag publicly. <laughs> so his reps did get a get a hold of us. Yeah. Say, hey, Tom Brady's interested in a show. Like, we're all in. Absolutely. Because, yes, he did do a show in Boston when he was up there with the Patriots. Right. And then they floated the number out there, John. <laughs> and we were it's like, one of those. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to be able to do that. In the middle of a pandemic, obviously, yeah, where there were cutbacks right. taking place and this and that. So there was an initial conversation with his reps, but the number they floated out there was something that there was no way we can even yeah. come close to. That's funny. No, I don't blame you, especially at that time. You know, you think, well, Brady, of all people, you know, he's looking at those opportunities, I'm sure. And his people, I'm sure, are looking at those opportunities. But I think fans would like to hear from But here's the other thing about Brady that I always say, you know, everybody gets excited. Oh, we're going to get Brady today. Why? Brady doesn't say anything. You know, I like players who are like, yeah, like he's never going to say anything. If you had a radio show with him every week, he would he would get around every question. You know, he would he's a master at it. He can, yes. and he talks forever, right? He fills the whole segment. He fills the whole really segment. And then you go back and listen to it like, you know, what did he say? Exactly right. So He's masterful. We, we get him on these Zoom calls, and, you know, he was on today, and they like to keep it to, like, four to five questions, if that, for Tom. Yeah. Because he's such a structured guy. I was talking with somebody over at the Bucks today during practice. He's like, look, Tom Brady doesn't have any wasted movements, as you like to call it, on the field. Mm-hmm. But off the field, he doesn't waste any time in his day. I mean, he is so he is so stringent and structured in terms of what he's doing where he's going from here to the meeting room, to the training room, this, that, and the other thing. So um, he he's very methodical in how he spends his time. And, yeah, we get him for a couple of minutes and a few questions, but, yeah, he really doesn't say a whole lot. Oh, I mean, That's interesting. The only time, like all of last year, if you remember last year, after the first game mm-hmm. where there was the interception controversy, remember with Mike Evans in the New Orleans game and – then we get him on the Zoom call with Greg Garman. I love Greg, man. He's awesome. And he puts his nose to it, and he asks the first question about the interception. And Tom Brady's like, yeah, so what's the question? <laughs> I remember that. Remember he that? Was, yes. It was the only time that the entire season where Tom – and I think Tom was a little perturbed that Bruce Aarons is criticism after that first game. And, you know, he was a little perturbed with Greg Allman with that one particular question the following week when he was asked about the interception. But after that, man, it was business as usual because That's not funny. much phases him. Oh, yeah, for sure. Not very little phases him. And he is not he is not inclined to give much weight. You could put an interception on him in a, in a question in an interview that he knows is another teammate's fault. You know, he knows it's, you know, it was that was that Mike Evans interception of the first game, the game where Mike Evans broke off his route and should have kept going to the middle of the field and read the coverage wrong. And Brady threw it right. And and he knew it and he didn't throw Evans under the bus. He just kind of danced around the question. And, you know, that's how he does things. And so, again, like not looking for anybody to throw anybody under the bus, but it was it's definitely one of those situations where when he talks, everybody in the media gets excited. But I'm always like, 
there are so many better guys like that just say more and like yeah. you know what you're going to get from Brady. You're not going to get a question probably unless you've been there forever and you're probably not going to get a, a, a great answer for what you're looking for. Like, in fact, one of the best things he said last year was the insight into Alex Kappa trying to stay on the field after his injury. That's when you might get a good answer out of Brady. It's when you ask him about somebody else um, on the team and you ask him about a specific situation maybe about somebody else on the team. But he's not going to talk X's and O's. He's not going to talk about his own health. He's not going to talk about his own play other than in generalities. Right. Um, same with the level of the play of the team and the focus of the team. And so, yeah, you just don't get a lot from him. So We, I, o- we only get that from the other players, right? Like yeah. Tristan Wirfs, for example, talked to us yesterday. And he said Brady came up to him last year and said, don't get beat inside. Don't get beat fast, too, all right? That's Try great. not to get me killed. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's the kind of insight is other players telling us Tom Brady's tendencies. And mm-hmm. I forgot who we had on. It was Steve McClendon. All right. Mm-hmm. We had Steve McClendon on our show right right after he, he resigned. And, and we were like, tell us a Tom Brady story. And he's like, okay. He goes, Tom Brady likes donuts. Every Saturday, you know, there's like donut day. And yeah, he will partake and have a donut every once in a while. And that yeah. was like, like that was a, the, the biggest talking point of that whole interview was the <laughs> fact that Tom Brady likes donuts. You just wouldn't expect it. I remember listening to that interview actually and hearing that quote <laughs> and being like, I know that's not breaking news for a lot of people, but for Brady, that definitely surprises me a little bit that that would be, be the case. So it's well, funny he, stuff. He, he has proven, and this is the thing you love about Tom Brady. I mean, for as great as he is, and he's going to go down to be, you know, the most decorated, the greatest football player in the history of the NFL, perhaps. Yeah. He, every once in a while, he shows that he is mortal. I mean, he'll have mm-hmm. a donut every once in a while, and everyone saw the bow parade, you know, mm-hmm. and Ryan Griffin's holding him up. You know, he yeah. had a few too many. That's fine. He's allowed to let loose and have fun just like anybody else. Right. No, for sure. And and he he has maybe done that. Maybe we've seen more of it, or maybe he's actually done more of it in Tampa Bay than anywhere else. And I think he's realized that it doesn't have a negative effect on his performance. Like he can he doesn't have to be a robot all the time, you know, to be able to perform at a high level. But yeah, when the push comes to shove and he's out got to be out there in the practice field, he is impressive. He didn't do blitz period today. He did red zone period. He got intercepted in red zone period by a relative unknown, Tom. Curtis Riley went up and made a great play on the ball. I was looking uh, on my roster. I'm like, (laughs) who the hell was number 39? Because I'm looking at one of the Bucks PR guys. I'm like, who the hell is that guy? Right. So, yeah, I mean, that that was the thing. But aside from that, and you saw him yesterday and also today, and I saw him today, Mm -hmm. he looks locked in. And Chris Godwin talked about it yesterday, man. He's just – the ball is barely hitting the ground. He's making yeah. quick decisions. The workouts in the offseason obviously are paying off. Now they're more comfortable with each other. He's more comfortable in the offense. And he talked about today the nonverbal communication that he now has with his receivers and his offensive linemen and setting the protection schemes. I'm telling you. I know he threw 40 touchdowns last year, John. Yeah. There's a chance he wow. could eclipse that number this year. That would be that would be. I mean, last year was incredible. I don't think we talk about last year enough. Like what he was able to do in a pandemic year in that offense in that scheme. I think that's maybe people don't understand, but there are hardly any layups in a Bruce Arian scheme. It's not you can't like have good stats at the end of a year in a Bruce Arians offense and there be this asterisk next to it. No, if you have good numbers at the end of the year in a Bruce Arians offense, you were one of the best quarterbacks in the league. We saw it with Carson Palmer in 2015. I think it was like. 
Carson Palmer was unbelievable that season. It's one of the best quarterback seasons that nobody talks about. But Carson Palmer couldn't sustain it, right? Like there was all these up, and then the injuries happened, and there were kind of ups and downs. And you know that was kind of Carson always. Carson's story was sustaining it you know, year to year was hard for him. Uh, obviously, not been an issue for Brady, so I'm not saying it will be moving forward. But that's one of the craziest things about what what Brady did last year was this offense just doesn't have a lot of easy stuff in it. It's a lot of, I mean, you saw he led the league in deep throws, he led the league in deep catches or deep uh, completed completions this past season. You know, all that kind of stuff to deep touchdowns. Those are high degree of difficulty throws in an offense. And their offense, this offense is built around those throws. And he was going out there every week, slinging the pill and making it happen in an offense that he was still trying to learn at midseason. Well, it's a great point because like you mentioned, I mean, they pushed the ball down the field and he did so without a preseason. Yeah. With his knee bothering him that we found out already that his that knee has been bothering him for the last year and a half that he got surgically repaired in the offseason. I guess it was an MCL injury. But all of that taken into account, the 40 touchdowns, the 12 interceptions, and when you count the postseason, he threw 50 touchdowns last season, yeah. which is an extraordinary yeah. number. And that's and he heard the talk that you can't throw the ball down the field. You know, you're getting up there, you're 43 years old. And Tom Brady thrives on naysayers and criticism more so than any athlete mm. that I've ever seen ever. And yeah. this year, his motivation, John's going to be, okay, he's going to be able to repeat and do it with two different teams. The last team to repeat was Brady and the Patriots in the early 2000s. And now he's got a chance to do it with a different team, something that's never been done before in the history of the league. And I think that's what motivates him. Yeah, no, you're right about the motivation. And this is kind of a side, we were talking about Rodgers. I was thinking about this motivation factor, right? Because Rodgers and Brady are kind of two of the quarterbacks of this generation that have been thought of as the guys with the chip on their shoulder, right? You know, different ranges. Obviously, Brady was an afterthought in the draft process. Rodgers was talked about as a potential first overall pick. And then ended up going, what, 24, I think, to, to Green Bay, where he was drafted. And then he sat for years. And so there was this whole, we've been disrespected. Nobody's given us the time of day, you know, that they both had going on to varying degrees. But the difference to me is that, and Clyde Christensen hit on this this week. He said, Brady's really pleasant to be around. He's incredibly motivated, but pleasant to be around. The difference to me, and I'm curious to hear what you think about this too, but I think Brady, the criticism and everything, I think it motivates him. I don't think it weighs on his mind, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think it's like a weight for him. I think it just motivates him. Like, it's fun for him, you know, to hear that. It's like, a, it's like, it's enjoyable for him to kind of take that and be able to do the opposite, to be able to prove people wrong. But for Rodgers, I think it's like, a grudge like he harbors anger like <laughs> resentment you know what i mean like he they're different people right they're totally different demeanors different. they're but they have that same they're motivated by by other people i remember when not this year when the super bowl was here the last time the super bowl was here in 09 you know your pittsburgh steelers the arizona Cardinals, one of the great games i've ever seen in person mm. so that week radio row i had a chance to interview aaron Rodgers. he had just become the starting quarterback and I remember asking him a question about Brett Favre and the relationship he had with them. And I think the question was something along the lines of, and this is a face-to-face, -face, you know, we're yeah. in Tampa Convention Center, me, Aaron Rodgers, just one-on-one. -on -one. He's, he's sitting three feet away from me. And I said to him, do you have any contact with Brett Favre now that he's, you know, with the New York Jets? He's like, nope. And he just kind of left it. Just, he just kind of left it like that with a smirk. And then, you can tell that something's there. But you can feel the angst 
<laughs> behind his face, his smirk, and everything else. It's something that he really didn't want to talk about. Obviously, it was all kinds of emotions built up in there. But, yeah. you know, yeah, he does carry a grudge. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I have no idea what's going to happen there, to be quite it's, honest with you. It's, it is wild, but that part of who he is makes me think that his time in Green Aaron Rodgers is the kind of guy that's all of a sudden like, you know what, actually, it's okay. And that's it. He just forgets it. It's not like, I don't think he can do that. I don't think he's that, that type of dude. And so it will, that's an, it's an interesting wrinkle that plays in all of this is just who he is as a person. I, I think that even though he and Brady get compared because of how much things motivate him, people are always like, Oh, you said this, like that's Tom Brady or that's Aaron Rodgers. You're screwed now. I think it's different in the way that they process that stuff. I think yeah. it's very, very different uh, for both of them. Did want to let people know about our next upcoming event with my bookie. One action-packed event, two titled fights, and hundreds of ways to win. UFC 263 is going down this weekend. And if you're scrambling to place your bets, problem solved. MyBookie.ag has you covered. Better yet, use our promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, to grab yourself a deposit bonus of up to $1,000 and take advantage of fights like the highly anticipated rematch between Israel Adenasai and Marvin Veltori. Let's be honest, the only thing more exciting than watching two beasts throwing haymakers is cash in your account when the final bells ring. And if you want NBA and NHL playoff action, I do. My bookie has no shortage of game lines, championship futures. And they've got the best player props in the industry. So sign up, use the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, to grab yourself some extra funds on top of your deposit to start your day off with a win. That's extra cash in your account so you can bet the best games and events all summer long. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie.ag. Tom, we got to talk about this before we wrap it up, okay? You've got the Bucks, You've got this awesome team, this awesome situation here that everything's kind of clicking into place. And we've seen that through two days of practice, I think. That's what Bruce Aarons was mentioning after practice. It's not like they've come out here and gone through the motions. I have been, you know, I've covered the Steelers before. I've been in the, around the draft world, so I've seen some college practices. I've seen the Senior Bowl practices every year, and I've seen different organizations run those practices for five, six, seven years now, and seen how different organizations run a practice. Being around the Bucks practices has been eye-opening for me, and I don't know if it's like this all the time. I don't know what training camps like. I haven't covered them yet, and that, but the pace. The, effect, the way they break things up, there is a lot of competition in their practice. A lot of, you know, Steelers, they'll do 10 plays a team, then they go back into their individual periods and they walk through stuff and they come back to get 10 plays a team. Once the Bucks go and they get through the individual periods, they go and those team sessions speed up and you've got bodies are flying around and quarterbacks are learning on the fly and communication's happening and they're moving quickly from one rep to the next. It is a pace practice. It is an exciting practice to watch. Um, as, as a media person, sometimes it can get the, some of those practices can get really slow. That has not been the case through two days of practice. I am curious from you, from being down there and watching today, were there a couple players that stood out to you that we haven't mentioned maybe so far, maybe whether it was somebody making some great catches or just somebody you're really excited to see this season, see how they've matured and you saw a little bit of them today and they looked impressive to you. Just curious overall, what, if you have anybody that's caught your eye like that. Well, there were two guys today. Joe Tryon, we already talked about him, yeah. who absolutely looks the part. I'm really excited to see him once training camp begins and the pads come on, mm -hmm. what kind of player he'll be, certainly in the preseason. Looking forward to seeing what Kyle Trask can do in the preseason as well. But Scotty Miller, and during the two-minute drill, you were there and I was there. Mm -hmm. 
very eerily similar to the NFC Championship game. They ended one of those two-minute drills with Brady tossing one deep down the left sideline that Scotty Miller came down with in the corner of the end zone. He's a guy that's sort of like the forgotten member of this wide receiving group that has Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown and Tyler Johnson. And now you've got Scotty Miller as the guy who's the vertical threat. And we've seen Brady, who still has the arm. And that's the other thing, John. I'm watching Tom Brady today at the age of 43, 44, whatever he is. His arm still looks as lively as it did like 10 yeah. years ago. And seeing it in person really makes you appreciate what kind of competitor he is. He keeps himself obviously in immaculate shape. His arm really looks live. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really does. It's pretty impressive. And I, I'm glad you mentioned Scotty. I didn't want to get out of here without mentioning him. I was going to mention him if you didn't. So uh, mm -hmm. right on cue, you mentioned his name. He had the big catch down the sideline. I wish we could have seen it from our vantage point. The way the sideline reacted, we knew it was a spectacular catch. Hopefully the Bucks have some video of it. They tweeted out at some point. Would love to see exactly what it looked like on the other end. But it got Brady kind of running down the field to congratulate him. And earlier in practice, it was on the far sideline. I don't know if, how many people even noticed it, but it was kind of an out route throw that was a little bit behind Scotty Miller. And he just kind of reached around, stabbed it with one hand and pulled it in kind of seamlessly, twisted around him as a runner. And it was just a really – Nice, smooth adjustment to the ball outside his frame. Not something we've had to see him do a ton of in his career, but that he is kind of going to be one of the forgotten guys with how many talented players there are. We're not going to be able to talk about him all week to week. The other thing that warmed my heart is I got to see O.J. Howard down on the field today. He wasn't there yesterday. Down on the field today, just standing around, not doing anything just yet. Bruce Aaron says he's basically there. They just want to wait until training camp, get him to 110%. Get it, completely understand it. He was Brady came right over to him when he got down there and was talking to him. They were throwing the ball back and forth, chatting with each other, uh, just kind of standing there throwing the ball back and forth. But that chemistry, man, those two, the rapport they had last year at training camp and and even early in the season, I think uh I don't know how many balls go to everybody in this offense, but I just think Brady and OJ Howard could click. Well, I'm glad you brought him up because we talked about him the other day. We do a Tuesday top three right at the onset of mandatory minicamp, the three guys that really, you know, needed to make an impression. And O.J. Howard was one of the guys I talked about because going into this year, contract year, it's a make-or-break year for O.J. Howard. He only played four games last year before he ruptured his Achilles. He's never been able to play a full season. There's all kinds of talent and potential for him to be one of the better tight ends in this league. He's got to be able to stay healthy, stay on the field, and he's going to have the right quarterback kind of getting him the ball. We know Rob Gronkowski is going year to year at this point, mm -hmm. and you got Cam Bray behind him. But O.J. Howard has a big opportunity this year to really cash in, and he's at a crossroads right now. Yep. He really is because there's been tons of flashes, times where he even looked like he was going to be one of the best tight ends in the league, but the health has been a, a problem, and that's something he's got to – yeah, it's got, a, it's got a situation that has to improve for him if he wants to get that big contract this offseason because very few good tight ends across the league – and he's one of them if he can stay on the field and stay healthy. I think he can cash in, but it's going to be a risk for whatever team takes him. But if a great year, we'll help them feel a lot better about that risk for sure. Tom, appreciate you being on here. Tom Krasnicki, ladies and gentlemen, co-host weekdays 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., uh, host of Bucks pregame postgame shows 620 WDAE AM and 95.3 FM in Tampa Bay. You and Ronnie and Zach do a great job in the mornings, man. <laughs> Looking forward to the season getting back underway and being able to be back on with you guys on, on a regular basis on Wednesdays. 
Well, I appreciate you and uh, our partnership with Pewter Report, Scott Reynolds, Mark Cook, obviously friends of mine for many, many years. You're going to have a normal spot on our show, obviously, each and every week once training camp does get started. You, your spot is solidified. Tom Brady's <laughs> spot was not solidified because he was asking for Mark Cook type of money <laughs> to come on our show each and every week. But we are very happy to have you guys, obviously, with us. Report.com. We're looking forward to it, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be fun. Somebody needs to tell Tom doing things like Mark Cook does them. That's questionable, <laughs> questionable stuff. Questionable stuff. We appreciate you coming on, joining us today. Been a lot of fun. Pewter Report fans, we will be back tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern. Mark and Matt will be down at practice tomorrow. They will be reporting on everything kind of going on at the third and final day of Bucks minicamp. Uh, we'll see if Jalen Darden gets out there. I know everybody's been chomping at the bit. He was out there a little bit individual, but he didn't do any team stuff. Bruce Aaron said hopefully he'll be able to go uh, do a full practice on Thursday. He said that after practice today and after practice on Tuesday. So we will see, uh, but hopefully they'll have coverage of him and everybody else down at Bucks practice uh, for uh, the third day and final day of minicamp. Uh, until and the last time we'll see these guys in the field until training camp. So make sure you tune in tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern, for Mark and Matt on the show. But for Tom Krasnicki and myself, John Ledger, thanks so much for tuning in to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out!